that's where creators get messed up is they do things because they want to do things but they don't actually enjoy the production of it so right now my phase one is not like oh my god will it work or oh my god is it gonna make a lot of money or get a lot of views it's like do i effing enjoy this this is creator habits the show that looks at how creators build their audiences one day one follower and one habit at a time I'm Alina, your host, a startup founder turned content creator and indie maker. Today's guest is Esprit Devora. Esprit has been a prolific podcaster since 2013. She's a force in the Los Angeles tech scene, founder of We Are LA Tech, and of Women in Tech Globally. In addition to hosting multiple podcasts, producing over a thousand episodes, and speaking at everything from South by Southwest to CBS, she's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, Harper's Bazaar, and more. In today's episode, we talk about how this veteran podcaster continues to experiment with the medium, what she thinks about community building and audio, and how she's continued to keep pushing and producing over such a long period of time. I want to actually take it back for a second. And, you know, you've been a podcaster since at least 2013? Yeah, since 2013. And I just want to understand, how did you get started? And how did you even think of, okay, that's what I want to experiment with first? Yeah, so, well, it wasn't first. Um, So I built the first action sports social network. And at that time, I created uh, a media site that had hundreds of action sports videos, all that I produced. And so I wanted to use my expertise creating video content to empower the Los Angeles tech community. And so in 2012, I created a video series called We Are LA Tech. And with the video series, we shot 12 episodes and my partner at the time didn't follow through and edit the episodes and I was heartbroken and so I went on this trip to for like self-exploration to get re-inspired and on that trip I connected with my friend Mark Kohlberger who's the founder of Betalist and he's like you should check out these pod just randomly you should check out this podcast it's really funny and he had an iPhone I had an Android I'm like what's this podcast stuff about he's like they're great and so I I came back to the states from Europe thinking I never want to rely on a video editor again. I'm just going to teach myself with the production experience that I had building an action sports media company. So I understood about pacing and transitions and everything. But I wouldn't know how to do that from a video standpoint, but I understood how to do that in general. So I was able with my limited abilities, because I'm not an audio engineer, to do that in audio only. That was attainable. So I get how podcasting might seem more attainable to you. And obviously, I'd agree that video editing can be so much more labor intensive, but it's kind of a far cry from having an idea to sitting and kind of editing day in and day out. What has that actually looked like for you? Um, The production, like for several years, I was just like, go, 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 go. So if I could give myself advice, I'd go back and have a smoother production in the sense that I'd outline what my processes are and make everything as organized as possible. I want to use the word systematic, but again, I don't mean 
being a robot and taking anything away from the human connection. I mean systematic as in using a Calendly to book things, you know, scheduling. That's fine. You're actually making people's lives easier. Like here's the availability. Pick them instead of like 15 emails back and forth. Like who has time for that? But, you know, don't automate being personal. But like I think there's a really great balance between delegating to tools never delegating human touch and making your success indicator on your level of joy every day rather than on vanity metrics like followership, verification marks, team status, raising money, etc. So it seems like over the years you've worked out more of the balance in production of like what to streamline and what to keep. But I think the thing is, is it's still a lot of work and most people succumb to, I guess, what's called pod fade or starting and then quitting a podcast. Uh, But you've actually continued your podcast for many, many years in a row. I know. What what is it? Like seven? It's eight years now, right? Right. It's really pretty remarkable. And I'm just curious, what do you think helped you stick to it? Like, how have you maintained your ability to just keep showing up? A few things. One, it's really hard. Um, It's been really, really hard lately because the majority of my podcasting has been in person. And so I don't enjoy remote podcasting like in-person podcasting. Um, But I'm not ready to be in person yet. So that's been tough. One of the things that keeps me – that used to keep me going is a really strong commitment to my purpose – Recently, I felt a strong commitment to my team. Like the team has been outweighing my commitment to my purpose. It's like, well, I mean, I'm not going to let them down, like my editors and stuff, you know? Um, So it's been that responsibility to my team. I also, in the past, when I've needed to take breaks, I've created what I call remix episodes, which which essentially are like TV reruns. And so I repurpose old content. Either I'll re-air like an old episode or I'll mix together a few snippets of a few episodes, which is kind of like a cliff notes of episodes. So that will buy me time. But it's not easy. Um, I think it would be a lot easier if my process and my end result were like really clear Because I'm so driven, I'm such a heart-driven person and I'm so driven by community, my end goal is extremely ambiguous. And so even though there's something really lovely about that because I do everything from such an authentic place, that's also really difficult to keep on going. I lean really far on the uh, uh, ambiguity side with no end goal, like really, really deep into that no end goal. And I am going to start recalibrating to have somewhat of like an understanding of what is the pathway for this. That is where I'm working on being very selfish. It's very, it's difficult. Um, My mentor says you have to be selfish in order to be selfless. And so I'm, I'm practicing like how to be selfish. And it's, it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's, it does, it's not like natural for this Pisces soul. I think what's inspiring, even as you're trying to calibrate how much energy you're putting into others and what's motivating you to keep going, 
is that you somehow find time for experimentation and play. I would even say that you're kind of an explorer. You were one of the first faces of Clubhouse. You're active on Twitter spaces. You're just kind of constantly finding ways to put out new content and new forms. And so one of the things I want to dive into is just your creative process. Like this morning, before we started recording, we talked about a new experiment you're doing called the Podcast Audio Journal. What did that look like today? Can you just give us a glimpse? So I was watching Ryan Holiday because YouTube's algorithm fed me Ryan Holiday. Sure. I've admired him for a long time as a business person. I noticed he had a YouTube channel that has 400,000 views called Daily Stoic. I'm like, huh, that's weird. I wonder if he has a YouTube channel called Ryan Holiday because, like, I think it's interesting that he didn't end up going with his name. He went with something so intentional. And... And then I was like, I wonder if the way I'm doing my channel could be better done because I have a YouTube channel that's new called um, called uh, by my name and it's all about podcast education. And I've liked it. It's been interesting. And I'm like, I'm still in the experimentation phase. I feel like uh, the experiment will be done when I get to 100 videos. That's my goal, 100 videos. And then I'll know, does this quote unquote YouTube channel work? But I was thinking about, how Ryan did his his thing and I'm like maybe my esprit channel should be about me because on Ryan Holiday's channel it was about um it was about being an author it was you could see he was dabbling in the stoke information later on in the beginning it was like about being an author and I and it wasn't very popular it had like 20,000 subscribers um but I, it just kind of like seeded the idea of like maybe my spree thing should be about my journey as a podcaster, not so much about podcast education. And then my podcast education should be on something like Daily Stoic, like a, a podcast education kind of uh, name. So this is my very first raw recording of my experiment turning an audio journal in about being a podcaster into uh into a youtube video i don't know if this is good or bad but the thing that colin and samir says and they kind of coined this term the creator economy they say make sure you really enjoy the production that's where creators get messed up is they do things because they want to do things but they don't actually enjoy the production of it so right now, my phase one is not like, oh, my God, will it work? Or, oh, my God, is it going to make a lot of money or get a lot of views? It's like, do I effing enjoy this? Let me try one and just see if I like this. And let me do it on my channel where I'm already producing stuff instead of going out and building an entire separate brand, you know? Let me just see that I like the production. All right, here we go. Here's a quick excerpt from Esprit's first audio journal. So it's 8.37 a.m. and I've been sitting in bed for two hours switching between watching Hulu, eating chocolate chip cookies with milk, I know, crazy breakfast, and coordinating my new NFT podcast as well as coordinating potential um, teammates to help me work on We Are LA Tech and Women in Tech digital channels and um, it's been an active morning from bed. 
But today I'm going to share with you a bit about my NFT podcast called What If What What Is NFT? And I started the podcast because I don't know about NFTs. Like I don't get it. Like I'm like, what the f is an NFT? And like, why is it important? And how is this the future? And I'm like, man, I just don't want to be left behind. So I'm, I thought, oh, I know. I'm just going to create a podcast so I can learn. And also, because I'm sure there's so many people out there exactly like me that don't want to be left behind either in the NFT world. So that's my first audio journal that I created in the middle of the morning, still in bed, after watching Ryan Holiday and just kind of reflecting. And then I immediately sent my video editor this idea that I have and he wrote me back um, later on and he just like uh, 30 minutes ago and he said wait so you want to create a reel out of this I'm like no I was thinking a video but I'm like wait I don't know like maybe they are better as reels maybe it is better as a short I don't know that's the point it's an exploration we have no idea how this information is conveyed in the most meaningful way um, and as a creator I always think about audience first so the most when I say meaningful way I mean the most useful way to the audience assuming this audience are aspiring podcasters or they're, they're or current podcasters they're like what is it to be a podcaster what do you go through I just picked up my phone and used the speakerphone to create an audio recording I didn't get any fancy mic or any I just had the idea and I took action this is what it means to be a podcaster and so those people watching my YouTube channel in that state of mind of like, what does it take for me to be a podcaster? Like they would be able to tap it and be like, ah, here, now I get it. Now I know. Now I learned something. Now, So how do we format that content duration-wise, style-wise, everything in a way that makes sense? How much does Cam, my editor, cut from that that you just heard? I love that even as you have established shows and an established audience, you go into this spirit of kind of scrappy experimentation. I'm kind of wondering, given that you are almost always therefore launching new content types, how do you think about growth and what are some of those day-to-day habits that help you direct your audience to these new forms of content or these new events that you're launching? I'd say I've invested close to 0% on growth. I've always just really been obsessed with the story, with the with the sharing the journey. And so I think my most powerful growth has been from sharing my entire journey and from em- empowering others. Um, I do send assets to all of our guests, like these really cool video trailers and images, but I actually don't ask them to share because I just find that's really obnoxious when people say, share this. I'm like, this is my feed. And I've noticed that a lot of people, even in the communities, don't even know the podcast exists. So I I really have put close to no attention on, on growth. It's all been just caring um that's not to say that that's the right way to go I think that if I were to start over today I would be religious about doing experiments and I would be consistently monitoring how the experiments are performing and I would do my best not to have any emotional attachment to any experiment 
and just to see and then the experiments that work the best like keep doing those and the experiments that don't work you haven't directly been focused on growth for these podcasts but it sounds like when you talk about i'm focused more on sharing my own story in a way you've been growing out your personal brand yeah <laughs> and the I, podcasts are part of that 100 percent I completely unintentionally created a really powerful personal brand. And it's very interesting to me, all the people aspiring to have a personal brand. <laughs> I, I could tell them exactly how to have a personal brand, but I don't think... <sighs> the reason I have a powerful personal brand is because I've cared a lot for several years. And I don't think most people want to do the work that I do. So what is that work? Like, I want to understand if you peel it back, like, what does that really look like? Sure. It's it's genuinely caring about a human. Like, everything I do is just caring about a human. Like, I created this tweet. I can't remember the exact word choice, but it was something like, you know, even if you have zero listeners, like, I'll still be on your show. Be more about your mission. You know, like, you're you're worth it. The reason why I created a tweet like that is because it just angers me that everyone is so obsessed. How many listeners does XYZ have? I only want to be on. I'm like, ugh. Like, first of all, first of all, like just talking business. One, you don't know what kind of SEO opportunities there are on even small podcasts. Like, you know, that's not why I did any of this. But you also don't know what kind of relationships these will create for you in the future. For example, There's this one girl I interviewed a really long time ago um, who just had a newsletter, but she was really ambitious. I was really inspired by her. And years later, she's one of the most powerful women in tech in L.A. And she's like, you were my first media opportunity. Like, that shit's bonkers. She will probably invite me to anything. Like, any access she has, I now could just be like, oh, hey, can I have access to that too? All because I was genuinely just interested in her as a person and gave her her first media opportunity, which to me is so exciting, right? And so you don't know in going on someone's show, like, how that could evolve in years to come. And so I'm like, everybody that's having a hard time getting a guest, I will be your guest because I care about you. Like for me at the end of the day, I just care about humans. And and so to answer your question, how like we started sharing this, you said, what are you doing differently? Is caring, I like care about individuals genuinely. And like it pains me the struggles that creators go through. Like I'm in a chapter of my life where I'm moving in to joy being my metric for success. And that takes a lot of like untraining of being a tech founder for so many years. Joy was definitely not an indi- It was more like my indicators for, for success were like, are you on the cover of a magazine? Are you sacrificing your life? Are you, like, do you, are you single and eating ramen? Like, you know what I mean? Um, so I'm moving into a chapter where I'm retraining myself so that joy is an indicator for success. So the thing I do differently, what's led to me having a powerful personal brand is caring at scale individually. I love that. I think that there are a lot of people, myself included, that resonate with this idea of how do you have joy as your metric for success? And how do you actually think about what it means to treat people just, yeah, in a way that makes them feel seen? Yeah. I think that's so important. And you could go into the Twitter advanced search tool. I do this with my Los Angeles stuff and search for, you know, people in your category. Like, so if you're, um, 
if you deal with oranges, you could just search for everybody talking about oranges on Twitter. And then you could just be a helpful person and get to know them and click on their profiles and say hello. Whenever someone follows my account, I'm always like, hey, and I like check them out. And you know, you could be very proactive about caring. Yeah, how do you find the time? Because, you know, caring at scale is a kind of a, a pretty yeah. time-consuming idea. How do I make time? Okay, this is kind of like a catch-22. I think I genuinely enjoy it. Also, I need to be very careful with my energetic boundaries. So... Sometimes I work toward limiting myself and say, okay, I'm going to give myself 15 minutes. So I'll turn on a Focusmate session. Focusmate is this really cool, like virtual co working site, focusmate.com. Like, I love it. And um, really inexpensive. And so I'll, I'll turn on like either a 25 minute or a 50 minute Focusmate session. And I'm like, I'm in a box in doing this because I don't want my whole life to be about being on social media. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, But like this morning, if I felt like it was playtime, then that's okay. The parts that I want to be afraid of is the dopamine fix. I'm going to read you something else that like, so I've been doing this thing lately where I've been trying to pattern interrupt myself. So um, I wrote, I'm feeling it again. That need to click and refresh, even though it doesn't fulfill me. I'm currently sitting in my living room watching YouTube, but later this makes me sad. So time to stand up and get back to things that make me feel empowered. So like I'm, I'm doing my best to like, it's hard, but to like pattern interrupt myself so that I'm not going from a place of addiction because that's draining. But instead going from a place of, oh, I'm enjoying the connection I'm experiencing right now. This is fun. And If I feel it's important to my business, like my LA stuff, then I'm like, okay, I'm going to time box it to like, to the focus mate session. And it's not like I'm showing up to something I enjoy. I actually enjoy it, but I also am showing up for a professional reason and I don't want it to consume my entire life, you know? So, so a combination of like self-awareness, pattern interrupts and time boxing. Yeah. You know, it's really clear that you're really driven by connection and and much of the, I think the podcasting medium is really magical because of its ability to have these one-on-one connections. I'm curious just in your journey, how did you develop from having a podcast to growing out a community? I I sort of feel that the podcast and the community are separate even though they have relationships to one another. I don't think I've done an extraordinary job of cultivating a community of my listeners. I have done a great job of cultivating community of the market of my listeners. So like does the Los Angeles tech community know about my organization We Are LA Tech? Most likely. Do they know We Are LA Tech has a podcast? Maybe not, you know? <laughs> so so I could have done a, a better job of that if I wanted to. Um, I still can. But it brings up this thing that I've really been struggling with lately, which is <sighs> I know – 
I no longer want to be a slave to pings. And I feel that, at least in the industry, I feel like a need that I have to create a digital community for whatever I build, whether it be a company or a podcast or whatever. Everything now needs to have either a Slack group, a Facebook group, a circle group, a whatever group, right? And I'm just like, but then I'm responsible for all these pings. And on top of that, people don't even like the end person. They say they want it, but they don't even really use it. So who is actually demanding it? Is it the actual need of the end person or is it just as industry leaders? I think community has definitely become a buzzword and that question of what it means to maintain a community and what value is actually delivered is super important. But I do want to wrap us up and just see whether through community or in other ways, how can people actually get involved with what you are doing next? What's next? Oh, I really have had cleaning on my house on top of my list. So I'm hoping that that's what's next. Um, well, to connect with me, it's at Esprit Devora on any social, or you can email me Esprit at hey.com. That's H-E-Y dot com. Um, I really just want to enjoy how I invest my time. And genuinely, I want my house to be clean by the end of the year. Both wonderful and very important goals. <laughs> and I just invite everybody to remember, I always say this thing, your intuition is your oracle. And I just, please, please, please remember that like we have the answers inside of our bodies, inside of our guts. Like don't let... Don't let the internets and and gurus like let you feel like you're not enough or you're inadequate or you need XYZ in order to su- succeed. Like let the education and resources you need be a part of your path if you choose to invite them, but not because you're coming from a scarcity mindset. Come from an abundant mindset and decide what resources are best to aid you in your journey and remember that your intuition is your oracle love that that's a great <laughs> kind of parting thought and idea in terms of helping people think yeah. about their own next scarcity steps. mindset it's yeah it's a virus that we all struggle with i'm sure well thank you so much for for taking the time yeah. to do this i really do appreciate it and i know you are maybe spread thin sometimes and and your willingness to connect is is really remarkable oh my, i'm i wasn't kidding when i said i feel like it's an honor to be on your show i i'm this has been lovely i'm so excited thank you for the opportunity thanks for listening to creator habits This show was edited and produced by me, Alina Seri, with music by Luke Tyler of Milo Bleep. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and review our show. It would mean the world.